Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Megan Hustline, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Jamie Yurich. Hey, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining me today. Um, unfortunately, we have to start the show with some absolutely heartbreaking news that occurred over the weekend. Um, I'm sure everyone's heard by now, but if you haven't, Dwayne Haskins was unfortunately killed in a car accident on Saturday. Uh, Just absolutely heartbreaking. He was an amazing person, Um, obviously a great quarterback at Ohio State and in the pros, but it was just shocking, so shocking to everyone. He was only 24 years old and just... So sad. I mean, it's just really hard to think about, honestly. Yeah, I, I've been crying all weekend. I said that in the in the pre-show. And I just think, like, the things that people have said about him, like, yes, we know he had an amazing football career, you know, broke all these records at OSU. People remember him for the Joe Burrow stuff. Um, but the thing that continues to come up time and time again was, like, his heart and his energy and his work ethic and how he just like always had a smile plastered on his face. Um, and like, what a beautiful way to be remembered, but what a shocking thing to find out, you know, he's so young. It was so tragic and unexpected and um, yeah, just a real, a real loss for the OSU community, for the NFL community, for his family. Um, really, really sad. Yeah, I totally agree. But it has been really nice to see all the support um, that his former teammates and coaches and just all of Buckeye Nation and honestly, all fans of football have shown during this time. Like you said, I've just been scrolling on Twitter and it's helped, you know, seeing all the nice things that everyone said about him. But it's also makes it even more tragic, you know, just seeing what an amazing life was lost. Um but yeah, definitely a huge loss for the Ohio State community, for the football community. Just really sad. Um, but like you said, he was definitely a Buckeye legend. Um, really just transcended the quarterback position at Ohio State. 
um, you know, kind of Braxton Miller and JT Barrett kind of were, you know, similar style of play. But then here comes Dwayne Haskins. They're on 50 touchdown passes, uh, a big guy, which, you know, in turn brings in Justin Fields and CJ Stroud, just these powerhouse quarterbacks. And he just really did set a precedent at Ohio State at the quarterback position. And that's definitely one thing he will be remembered for, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I also, um, saw the video that was circulating on Twitter this weekend. I'm not sure if you saw it of him when he was like 10 or 11. Yes. Visiting OSU yes. for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like this little kid in the locker room and he's like, I'm going to go to college here. It's so cute. Like he knew that OSU was where he wanted to be. He was a Buckeye through and through. And mm-hmm. um, like what a, what a precious video and what a, he was just so special to Buckeye nation. Yeah, for sure. And then he went on to get drafted within the first round. Uh, definitely had a promising career ahead of him. You know, he was really in the mix for the quarterback position with the Steelers. He was working so hard. You know, things didn't really work out for him in Washington, but Washington was just going through a turbulent time then. And, you know, he got a second shot with the Steelers and he was down there working with his fellow receivers and running backs and just really trying to get better. You know, everything that I've heard is just that he was just trying to improve himself every day. He was always working to get better. He wanted to be great. He was great. And he wanted to make everyone around him great, which I think is just one of the best qualities about him. It's just he wanted to bring everyone up around him. And that just really showed with the way he played. You know, he, he always had a smile on his face, was just so happy to be living out his dream. Um, and I think that definitely showed. He was just He was just a kid living out his dream as a quarterback. And... Yeah, just really promising career ahead of him. It's just, just such a shame that is take his life was taken away too soon. Yeah, absolutely. Although speaking of his promising career, um, there were some journalists who kind of had some really hot takes on mm-hmm. his passing that I feel like we should we should probably talk about. Yeah, for sure. That was definitely. Unfortunately, one of the major topics surrounding his passing this weekend was first, Adam Schefter, obviously the biggest reporter at ESPN. The way he posted um, the message of Dwayne passing was just not empathetic at all. Uh, He just said that Haskins and Ohio State standout And he said something along the lines of just struggling to catch on in the pros, which that just did not need to be said um, at all. You know, this is a man first, a human being, and then a football player. And he just was, he just tragically died. So uh, he definitely faced a lot of backlash for that. Um, Yeah, I did not agree with those comments. And then he proceeded to delete it and repost um, a different statement. But yeah, definitely not the way to go about that. Yeah. And as far as I know, he hasn't apologized for it. Um, Like, it's interesting. This isn't the first time that he's been in hot water for like a lack of compassion or empathy Mm -hmm. or like humanity in his approach. It was a very like just kind of cold hard facts journalistic tweet mm-hmm. that is fine if you're talking about someone being traded, but it's not fine when you're talking about someone who has just passed tragically. Like you don't need to drag somebody in their death tweet. This is about 
him passing. This is not about his career on the field. Right. That is appropriate if it's at the bottom of a longer article where you're explaining what happened at the top and like showing that human side and then you're detailing what his career has looked like. I could maybe accept that, but it is not appropriate in a tweet. It's just not. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I actually did see that he posted an apology, I think a couple hours ago on his, yeah, on his podcast, he recorded um, a snippet. It was about three minutes long apologizing. I I couldn't tell if it was authentic. Kind of just sounded like he was reading off a press release statement that ESPN crafted for him, which I'm sure that's what it was, but right. You know, I think, I think he has realized his mistake. Um, I would hope because, you know, this, like you said, this is not the first time, but I do hope it was sincere, but I think he definitely realized his mistake, but unfortunately he was not the only one to make a comment like that over the weekend. Gil Brandt actually just said some horrific comments about, Haskins, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, you know, saying things like he was living to be dead. Um, just some other tragic things, which I I just don't know why he was saying that after Haskins just passed away. I don't know what was going through his mind. Yeah, I believe there was something along the lines of like if he had spent more time in school, he wouldn't have been like doing stupid things, mm-hmm. which is just like it was disrespectful on every level. It was disrespectful to Haskins' memory was disrespectful to his family and friends. It was disrespectful to his teammates. And his apology did feel like a publicist or PR team drafted it in Mm -hmm. five minutes. And it just got, like, slapped on the internet. Um, I know he did, like, verbally issue an apology. I haven't listened to it. Um, So I can't speak to the authenticity of that. But it was – I just can't understand what could possibly have been going through his head to have that be his immediate reaction to something so tragic. Like I wouldn't react that way to the tragic passing of my worst enemy. You know, Mm, I just, it it is just unfathomable to me that that was the immediate reaction was like, Oh, well too bad. And like almost blaming him, which is not appropriate at that time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately we definitely saw some of the, Worser sides of humanity this past weekend. Um, but for the most part, I mean, the vast majority of comments were nothing but love and support for his family and loved ones and a lot of reflection on his life and just the good times. Um, but yeah, definitely unfortunate to see some of those more negative comments for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dwayne Haskins is definitely just going to be missed. He's always going to be remembered in the Buckeye community. And here on campus at Ohio State tomorrow night, we're actually hosting a candlelight vigil under the rotunda at the shoe. So um, I'll be looking forward to going to that tomorrow. Uh, I definitely expect a huge turnout because obviously a legend was lost. Um, so yeah, definitely rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins and thoughts and prayers for his family and loved ones for sure. Um, Absolutely. And yeah. I can't wait to hear how that vigil is. I'm sure it will be so beautiful and, and really just like a heartfelt remembrance of, of him and what he meant to Buckeye Nation. Yeah, definitely a good way to pay respects and kind of get some closure, hopefully. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, but moving on to more of an upbeat topic, 
Uh, Major League Baseball opening day was Thursday this past week. And man, it was just so good to get baseball back after the 99-day lockout. And we have some new rules this year as well to make it more exciting. I'm sure everyone is looking forward to that, starting with the universal DH rule. Jamie, what are your thoughts on that? Right. Listen, so I am a Cubs fan, which means my team is a National League team for people who don't have context. Um, And I am so thrilled that we have finally implemented this rule. I firmly believe that the Cubs only won the World Series because they were using a DH. Um, and this was in a year where the Cub- when the Cubs won the World Series, they had an extremely stacked lineup of pitchers who could hit. Like mm-hmm. our pitchers were not a, a wasted spot in the batting order. However, when you ha- put your pitchers on the field to hit, you have the risk of injuries for injuries at the plate, uh, injuries along the baseline when they're running. I just think this is going to put our pitchers in a better position to focus on the game strategy. Um, When it comes to the World Series specifically, I think that this is going to help level the playing field between the American League and the National League because the way that it was previously gamified where the National League teams had to redo their rosters or kind of rethink their strategy to put in a DH in the American League uh, game, in the games on the American League field, I think this, it created strategy distractions. So I honestly think that this is great. And like, frankly, for the fans, the DHs are going to overall do a better job of hitting than most of the pitchers in the National League. So more offense equals more exciting games. Like we've got more depth in the batting order. We're going to see higher numbers in that offensive uh, in the offensive like runs that are scored and the numbers. And I just think that this is a move that's been in the works for a while. It, it is the correct shift for Major League Baseball. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. And yeah, it, it's just great for baseball all around because no one wants to see pitchers just strike out time and time again or ground out. Like It's truly just a wasted at bat. Like you would mm-hmm. definitely rather see someone who specializes in hitting, um, you know, at hit three to four times a game. So, and I think another plus would be that this could definitely extend some guys' careers. You know, if they're kind of getting up there in their 30s, early 40s, uh, they can't really play in the field every day, but they can still hit. You can see them extending some years to their career. Uh, now with the expanded opportunity for every team to have a DH. So I think it's just a win-win situation, and I'm super excited about that rule. Um, Absolutely. I think the yeah. other thing, too, is like guys who are who would maybe be bumped to the injured reserve list throughout different times, if they can mm-hmm. still have an at-bat and like run the bases, we may see them not get bumped down to the injured reserve list. Like They yeah. could just kind of bump to the DH position. Um, the strategy of that's going to be really interesting. So I, I, I think this is a great thing for sure. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And another kind of new tool this year to kind of eliminate uh, any threat of any signals getting stolen is the pitchcom kind of system. Um, If you haven't seen it, some of the teams have adopted it. Some haven't. I'm a Yankees fan and we have adopted it. So it's kind of this little 
I don't know how to describe it. It's a little machine that attaches to the catcher's, the top of the catcher's shin guard, and it has different buttons on it. And the pitchers have a little earpiece inside their hat. And once the catchers press a button, it'll say, you know, slider, four-seam fastball. And that's how the pitchers have been getting their signals to kind of cut down on uh, the opposing team's stealing the signals. So personally, I'm a fan. It seems to be working out pretty well for the Yankees so far. I know some other teams, you know, it, the technology's kind of been messed up and they've had to return to the original uh, signals. But hey, I'm a fan. What do you think, Jamie? I'm a big fan. I think this is something that you know, as the kinks get worked out of the technology, we're going to see a lot more teams adopting this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely think that, you know, we're at a point where when we have technology that can be really beneficial, that's not detracting from like the spirit of the game, we should be using it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of this. I think that it just kind of, the sign stealing thing is like, you know, it, it goes on. It's such a cheap move. Um, right. I, I'm a big fan of anything that helps us to eliminate that and like really just play the game as it's meant to be played. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. Um, and then another way that baseball's trying to increase fan engagement, make the game a little bit more fun is they're miking up some more players this weekend during the game. So, so far, Joey Votto of the Reds was miked up. And then last night, Kike Hernandez, the center fielder for the Red Sox, was miked up. And I love this. It's just a fun way to kind of get to know the players a little bit more, see their personalities. Um, like, I didn't really know Kike Hernandez before, but after yesterday, he's a funny guy. I mean, he had some comments for the broadcasters that are pretty funny. Um but I think that's just fun too, you know, definitely trying to increase fan engagement. And I think this is a good way to do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think as long as it's not distracting from like the gameplay, I love mm-hmm. this. I think it really does create that kind of connection between the fans and the players like in real time, which I love. Yeah, for sure. And then lastly, one of the biggest storylines of the weekend was the Padres botching two consecutive no-hit bids. I just, I couldn't believe this was happening. And it was both by the same pitcher. I think his name was like Adam Hill, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. This was like, first of all, I've got some questions for the coaches who made the calls to like pull their pitchers. I know it's early in the season. I know you don't want to like put the strain on people's arms, but Essentially, on Thursday, you Darvish, uh, who is a pitcher for the Padres, kept the Diamondbacks hit list for six innings. He was pulled, and Tim Hill went in to pitch in the seventh. Uh, Hill allowed a single to the first batter that he faced, and the Diamondbacks ultimately won the game with a walk-off grand slam. Mm-hmm. And then the next night, Sean Manea threw seven no-hit innings. They took him out. They put Tim Hill back in and he once again allowed a single to the very first batter that he faced. Um, which I do think the funniest thing about it is that it makes the Padres the first team in modern Major League Baseball history to pull two separate starters from no hit bids when they had thrown at least six innings and had less than 100 pitches. Um, and that is over the course, like no team has ever done that over the course of an entire season. And they did that in the first two games. (laughs) Oh, man. 
Yeah, this. If I was a Padres fan, I would be so mad at uh, the coach for pulling my starters. And then, man, Tim Hill, what a rough couple of outings. I yeah. mean, I saw it the first time. It took him three pitches to give up the first hit. But then the next time, it took him four pitches. So, hey, at least some improvement from his end. But, sure. man, poor guy, though. And that is tough. I think, too, if the pitch counts had been higher, I could understand the decision to pull the pitcher. Right. But when the pitch count is still fewer than 100 pitches, there's just no need. There's no need. Yeah. I mean, you had all of spring training. They've been working all off season. I know it's not the same as a real game, but, I mean, come on. At least let them get to 100 pitches because, man, that's just disheartening all around to see two no-hitters broken up two days in a row but yeah that was just silly it was silly right baseball's back and I couldn't be happier (laughs) well definitely some interesting stories for opening day opening weekend for baseball definitely happy that it is back uh got such a long season ahead of us can't wait to see how it goes um but hey we got some more stories to talk about. We got the Masters coming up. We got the spring game. But first, we're going to take a quick break. So stay with us. Welcome back. Man, one of the best events in sports occurred this past weekend. The Masters. Jamie, I just love watching the Masters every year. It's just great storylines break out from it. And this year was no different. This year had like, there were like 10 different things that would be headline news on their own in any other setting. Um, I am not like a particularly big golf fan. Like I just don't really pay attention, but I used to watch with my grandfather. And so I do always watch the Masters. It's a nostalgia thing. Um, and I kind of generally like know who the key players are. Um, this year was wild. Oh, I feel yeah. like the story that I thought was going to be the main story ended up not being the main story, which is Tiger Woods returned to professional golf just 14 months after he nearly lost his leg in a car accident. And that was kind of the big story going in. Um, he ultimately gave what was the statistically the worst performance in his career at Augusta, but he was clearly in so much pain. Like he was limping at different times. And I do feel that he is going to be remembered for the grit and the determination that it took to get there in the first place in just 14 months. Like, I mean, keep in mind, he, he nearly lost his leg. Like he has a surgically repaired knee um, that, you know, didn't, didn't really do everything he needed it to do, but he got through the weekend and it was clear that he was in pain. He said, he's not going to be playing a full schedule. Um, he did say we will see him at the open at St. Andrews in July, but he's going to probably skip out on most of the events except the majors. Um, but I think just seeing him out there was, was huge. Like what a, even if it wasn't like a statistical comeback, it was a huge comeback. Like he overcame a lot of physical hurdles to get there and to even like get through the weekend. And he did that. Yeah, for sure. The fact that he played 72 holes was just so admirable. Obviously, like you said, the fight 
and the grit that is taken to get back to this point where initially doctors didn't know if he would walk again. And here he is playing 72 holes at the Masters. And after that first round, that was a really impressive first round showing. Obviously, it was downhill from there, but man, that's just classic Tiger being Tiger. Um, He seemed really happy and just he said that he was grateful that he had the opportunity to um, play at the Masters and it was just great to see him there. Um, Great for golf. I was just super happy to see him and great to see him playing again. But obviously he was not the winner. Scotty Scheffler uh, was the ultimate winner. Uh, Just what a year for Scheffler. He's had four wins in the past six starts of his of the PGA Tour, including the Masters, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, the Waste Management, Phoenix Open, and the World Golf Championships match play. So all four of his career wins have come this calendar year. So it was just, oh, it was so fun to watch. He's currently the number one ranked player in the world, and he was just dominant all weekend. Um, he had a little bit of nerves on the final hole, um, but he pulled it out and eventually got the green jacket. But man, was he fun to watch this weekend? Yeah. So he, you know, he's just he's just twenty five years old. Like he's really young. Um, uh, he said in an interview that the morning of the final round, he turned to his wife and started crying, and he was like, "I don't, I don't think I'm ready for this." Like I imagine that it would be supremely overwhelming to skyrocket to success like that. Um, hit the first tour event he ever won was on Super Bowl Sunday. So in just 57 days, he went from winning his first tour event to winning the masters. And there's like crazy, really no going back. And as you said, he he's won four uh, tour events in that time, including a major, you know, I, there's just like, n- there is no going back at this point. He is going to be a name in golf. Um, and I, so I just, I'm excited for him. I understand the overwhelm that he's probably feeling and also the excitement. Um, he's trained really hard for this and it's, it's always exciting to see a new guy out there. You know, we love an underdog story. Mm-hmm. Um, but not everyone was cheering for Scotty Scheffler because Roy McIlroy, who is kind of a, a fan favorite, um, he played an absolutely incredible final round. He actually tied the Masters final round record. Um, he shot 64. He buried on the 18th hole. And it would have given him his chance at a career grand slam. So there were a lot of people who were rooting for Rory to kind of make that final push in that last round um, and knock Scotty Scheffler out. And he still managed to hold on and stay cool and, and pull out that win. Yeah. Rory really came out of nowhere. I was just saying to my friends over the weekend, I was like, where has McElroy been the past few majors um, this weekend? Like, I just haven't really heard his name. Did he even make the cut? Like I didn't even know. And here he comes just shooting up through the standings and it was just so fun to watch him. I mean, he wasn't going to get first, but man, did he play so well in that final round. Just so fun to watch. And again, just another great Masters. Um, so fun to watch every year. Um, but yeah, congrats to Scotty Scheffler. Such a huge win for him. So exciting for him. Um, 
But lastly, we have the Ohio State spring game this Saturday. Always a fun time to just see the current state of where the team is. Uh, some new players uh, are just replacing those who've graduated or who are leaving. So, Jamie, just what are you looking for in the game this Saturday? Okay, so, well, first of all, the Buckeyes are doing um, a tribute to Dwayne Haskins. They're still working out the logistics, but I am so excited to see that. Um, I'm not local to Columbus, so I won't be able to be at the tribute tomorrow. And I think for those of us who are kind of far away, like that will be a nice way to tap into Buckeye Nation and and be a part of that. Um, But on the field, I am so excited to get some clarity around what the heck is going on with the defense and who might be getting those starting jobs come the fall, Um, particularly at linebacker. I would say Steel Chambers seems to be pretty locked in, um, but a lot is up in the air. A lot of people kind of thought maybe Tommy Eichenberger or Eichenberg, I'm sorry, would would be the second linebacker, but his spring practice hasn't really been very strong. So um, he's got a little bit of an uphill battle. I think the D-line rotation is going to be really interesting to see and to just kind of keep track of who's getting how many snaps. Um, I'm really jazzed to see what's going on with the defense. I think, you know, it's been a a point of discussion that the defense has really struggled in the past couple of years and people are really expecting a major turnaround. So um, I, I think this is kind of our first chance to see how much progress has been made on that front. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what Jim Knowles has done so far with the defense. Uh, yeah, like you said, definitely one of the major components of this team that we're looking for some progress from. But on the flip side, offensively, I just think it's so fun in this ring game to see, you know, who do we have in the depth charts? I'm excited to see Devin Brown take the field for the first time. And obviously, just looking at the receivers, we know JSN is the number one. But I'm just looking forward to see seeing these young guys, Egbuka, Marvin Harrison, just Julian Fleming. This is their time to shine, and this is their opportunity to show what they've got, um, obviously in front of the coaches, but also the fans, so we can see potentially who might be starting for us this season. So... I just I like this ring game. I think it's fun. I it's obviously just a glorified practice, but it's just exciting to see who we have moving forward. So definitely yeah, can't wait for fun, that. Fun to have the fans like back in the shoe. You know, the people have not had football for a few months, so I don't know. I just feel like the the weather is starting to get nice. Like the energy is always really great at the spring game, so it's a it's a super fun time to to be around and and engaging with the football community at OSU. Yeah, for sure. Definitely can't wait. So before we wrap up the show, Jamie, shall we do our end of the show shout outs? Yeah. So for me, I wanted to shout out, there are um, quite a few NCAA athletes who are Ukrainian, who are currently balancing their athletic schedules and their school schedules with fear about their families back home um, who are who are like living through war right now. And so I just wanted to shout out the amount of um, kind of balance and heart and uh, how overwhelming that must be for them to continue to stay focused on their athletics while they're here and their families are experiencing um, such tragedy back home. 
Yeah, for sure. I can't imagine being in their position, um, focusing on school and sports when obviously much more important things are happening happening back in their home country, affecting them personally and their families. So definitely major props for them for just staying strong during this difficult time. Um, yeah, definitely thoughts and prayers go out to them and their families as well. Um, but about you? Yeah, so I... This might be a shock, but I just wanted to shout out the Michigan fans who have honestly just been so respectful and kind um, about Haskins passing. Definitely a tragic time, and they they definitely realize that. They know it's more than a game, and they know just what a great person beyond just an athlete that Haskins was. So I've just seen nothing but messages of support on social media, so I definitely appreciate that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's one of those times where I know we all love the rivalry, but sometimes you have to set that aside and, and realize that there are bigger things out there. And the Michigan fans that I've seen online and the, you know, the team itself, um, like the official team accounts, the coaches, the players, everyone's just been so supportive and respectful. Um, and it's been really, really great to see and really appreciated. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. That's all we have for today. So as a reminder, you can follow Jamie Yurich at Jamie Yurich and me at Megan Hustline and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.